Christy Kadarian is a Christian and a nationally renowned psychologist and licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in the psychology of relationships. I was so encouraged by this conversation because it helped me to understand some dynamics within my relationship with Jesse. One thing that she touches on is the pursuer and distancer dynamics in a relationship, that one person tends to be the pursuing spouse and one tends to be the avoidant spouse, and kind of how to navigate that throughout your relationship. We're also talking about shame and intimacy and avoidance. We discussed 29 dimensions of compatibility, which is one of the things that Dr. Chrissy learned as a relationship expert for eHarmony and Match.com. So this girl knows her love and knows her romance and knows about the dynamics of a relationship. So we're talking about goals and she gives two pieces of advice that with all that she knows in the world regarding relationships, the two pieces of advice that she thinks that everyone should hear. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to tag me at Living Easy with Lindsay. Follow along with me and my little family on the same account at Living Easy with Lindsay. And let's jump in to today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. We have a very special episode for you today, and I'm so, so excited for you to hear from Dr. Christy Kadarian. We are going to be talking about kind of the study of codependency, the background behind codependency and relationship idolatry. So Christy, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. At what point did you realize that you were passionate about studying the psychology of relationships and tell us all about your cool and exciting background? (laughs) Thanks so much, Lindsay. It's so great to be on. So a little bit about me. I grew up in an Armenian and Christian household, and that's kind of where my love of learning about psychology, especially within family dynamics and relationships came from because family is so big in my cultural background and community is so big in my faith background. And I was always so curious and the person who is so people oriented, love talking to people, love making friends. And so I've always been curious about relationships and what makes people who they are. And so in college, I studied psychology and specifically marriage and family therapy, because I saw how much that unit impacts the development of a person. So 
I did research in relationships and specifically what we call pursuer distance or dynamics and attachment. So in relationships, kind of what makes someone the pursuer of connection and what makes someone kind of avoidant or disconnect. So that love of relationships led me to pursue my master's in marriage and family therapy, become a marriage and family therapist and work with couples. And then I continued to follow my passion. I work as a matchmaker and relationship coach. So worked at eHarmony, learned a lot about the research behind what makes people compatible and what makes relationships healthy. And specifically the founder of eHarmony, Dr. Neil Clark Warren, created the site based on trying to reduce the divorce rate across the world. And they really succeeded with couples that matched through eHarmony. So I became so fascinated about matching people that were a good fit from the start so that they had those ingredients to you know, make a healthy relationship succeed. And now what I do as a dating coach is really help empower singles to pursue what I call values-based dating to really know who they are and know what they're looking for so that they have those ingredients to build a strong foundation for relationships. And I just love learning. I'm a love nerd. (laughs) So I love continuing to learn and study kind of what we know about the fields of relationships being there is some science and some strategy and research, and then there's the art. So there's that kind of unknown or what I like to think of as God kind of bringing people together in their purpose. And so combining those two things to help empower people in their relationships and searching for a relationship. I love that. That is so cool. And you have so many accolades. I just want to give you credit where credit is due. I know it takes a lot of hard work to get to the point that you're at. So just as an encouragement to young girls, maybe who are listening, who have passion, just to see how you can use it, like even just a love of relationships, a love of love, how you can use that as something that builds success and and fosters your dream as well. So that is just, it's really cool to see. Thank you. Sure. Okay. So Dr. Chrissy, first off, I want to touch on something that was not in my questions, but you mentioned this and I'm so curious about it. The pursuer distancer dynamics, what makes someone avoidant, what makes someone a pursuer? I'm curious curious if I know it's probably in depth, but if you have something that you could touch on just to explain what that looks like, because there's usually from what I've seen in relationships, usually one and the other. Is that normal for it to be a balance like that? Yeah, definitely. So stereotypically, we've seen that sometimes the person who's the avoider or the distancer tends to be like the male. And Mm -hmm. then the women, the relationship tends to be more anxious and more pursuant. Mm -hmm. And I think this also breaks down to kind of societally, how we train people to manage their emotions. And as a society, I talk a lot about this, that men are not as comfortable with the more vulnerable emotions and the connection. So really they feel most comfortable expressing themselves in anger and distance and not in that vulnerability and connection. And women are really nurtured to connect with those emotions. But oftentimes what happens in what we call the dance is that the more anxious somebody is in a relationship, the more avoidant the other person is. So really what I studied and I'm curious about um, consistently building when I work with couples is how can what we grow towards security for both people? How can the avoidant person feel more safe and more comfortable expressing who they are and those vulnerable emotions? And how can the anxious person really have that security in themselves as well? And, you know, from a faith-based perspective and who they are in Christ, rather than needing the validation or the other person to kind of meet them there. So 
there's a lot of work that we can do. And the good thing is that it's not like if you're the distancer, you're always the distancer. Yeah. Um, so I often say, you know, the best way to work on that is to find a secure partner. So if you, you tend to be a little bit more anxious. Don't like stereotypically for women, like don't go after the unavailable man. If you're more anxious, mm-hmm. go after someone who's going to meet you where you're at and help you grow to that security. And rather than feeling like you need to get your validation from somebody else kind of giving that to you. So ideally we want both people in relationship to feel safe and connected and turn towards each other in moments of discomfort or when they're not comfortable with their emotions. So that can help to grow a healthy relationship. That's so interesting to me. And I see it. I mean, I'm the anxious mess in my family. <laughs> Same. Jesse, Jesse is the stable, solid one. It helps to kind of bring me down to reality sometimes when I'm losing it. And I say that freely and in a joking way. But I mean, I really do have moments where I feel completely out of control of my motherhood or out of my marriage. And I'm so thankful for the moments when he is that solid rock for me, you know, leaning upon Jesus and leading our family. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, have you seen this play out in relationships um, like within marriages as somebody who feels that the distancing, who, who tends to distance themselves, that it impacts the vulnerability and level of vulnerability they're willing to offer to their spouse. I was just talking like literally right before this conversation, I was at lunch with a friend and we were both talking about how because of rejection in our past, we tend to put up walls to where I'm like 10 years into marriage and still don't want to fully give myself? Do you see it play out in that way? And kind of how do you work through that? Yeah, that's a great question. I see this happen all the time. And I think the first thing that you really want to do is have that awareness around, okay, this is a pattern for me. Or when this sort of thing happens, I want to, you know, have my own time or space or put a wall up. And once you have that awareness, then it's always easier to work through that specific issue. So I always recommend if it feels like it always happens in the context of your relationship. So your partner does something that triggers you, you put the wall up. Then the second, piece is that you really want to have that communication with them and say, Hey, you know, and not in a blaming way, it's nobody's fault. You know, as we talked about, this is a dynamic that we both play into. So saying, Hey, like, you know, when you have that criticism or, you know, even if you feel like you're doing it in a constructive way, this is how it affects me. And I want to pull away. And then once your partner knows what happens for you, then they have that awareness too, because they might not operate or see the situation the same way. And then that way you can kind of talk about it. And if they feel like they're the withdrawer and distancer, then you can also ease your anxiety by having communication around that. So I know I get it that when something happens, you kind of just need your moment. Can we have a time where we kind of meet back up so that that calms my anxiety that you're not gone, <laughs> you're not gone forever. Um, and also gives us a time to reconnect rather than just kind of leave things unspoken and let those hurts mount up. And that's what really builds those walls. So that awareness and that communication and really coming back together to use that as a moment of what we call in therapy repair, that's a really helps strong relationships. It's not that um, a strong relationship is built by just no conflict or arguments. It's really built through the repair process. So interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I could talk all about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, do you feel, and this will be my last question on that, but do you feel that that impacts intimacy? And I ask because a lot of the questions I receive from women 
are all, uh, they're kind of multifaceted. So it's either I don't feel attractive or I feel like my husband will eventually reject me because he's not super emotionally in tune with me. Or mm-hmm. I've actually been getting a lot of messages about women who are struggling and feeling like their spouse is not interested in intimacy. Could this be a part of kind of the maybe numbing out or the retracting or the avoidance? And mm-hmm. how do you work through on your own individually being kind of unavailable? Yeah, that's a great question. So the definition I love of intimacy is, is I don't know who came up with it, but, you know, intimacy. Yeah. So it's really kind of allowing somebody to see the things within you that maybe you have kept in, in the dark. And that's really what I associate with shame. So if there are things that, okay, I don't want someone to see this about me because I feel like that's my scarlet letter or that's something that I'm ashamed of. And if I let someone see that about me, then they could use that against me. So that's really that fear that we're talking about. And ultimately, and I work with many people that come to me around relationship problems, but sometimes they're coming by themselves and they're trying to create a better relationship that maybe their partner isn't fully in on yet. I love the book, The Love Dare. I don't know if you've heard yes. of that book, but where the, yeah, and it's, I, I think book. it's a movie too, but it's like one person in the relationship has committed to doing something out of love for their partner for 40 days, whether whatever their partner does. And I just think that's a beautiful picture also in our faith of like how God loves us before we even knew him. And when we were enemies of Christ was what it says in the Bible. And Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of times when we have that, oh, you know, our partner doesn't love us or we're afraid they're going to leave us or, you know, they're doing all these things. Really, we have to take it back to our side of the street and say, okay, what can I do? Because it's all about a dynamic. And you'd be so surprised at how when you have that awareness, when you do that work on your own, how that can completely change your marriage. It only takes one person to change the dance. And Mm -hmm. so I really love empowering the people that come, even if they're on it's on their own. Maybe the the partner didn't want to come. It's they didn't want to do couples therapy and they come on their own to create some of those changes because there's always something that you can do. So maybe it's practicing being more open with your partner about things, or even sometimes it's most vulnerable to do something loving because we feel like we're so guarded that we feel afraid to even give a compliment or you know, say something nice because we are afraid they're going to use that against us and just continuing to act in love and, and gentleness, it can really make a huge shift in the dynamic without even having your partner know or be on board with that. And you'd be surprised kind of what happens if you just change your dynamic. You are speaking my language. So (laughs) I have a course called the wife project from roommates to soulmates. And it's something I recently launched And I am so big on self-evaluation. And honestly, I get really bummed out. And I actually responded to a girl. I don't usually respond to the negative comments. But anytime I do any reel or post about a woman or a wife focusing on her growth and the things that she can kind of work through and process through, I always get the response, well, yeah, but what about the men? You know, and then when I post about men, I don't hear from women (laughs) at all. They're like, yeah, you tell them. Mm -hmm. But I said, I said, honestly, this kind of bums me out. And here's why, and not in a negative way or condescending way, but truly there is so, we're all sinners. Like there's so much work to be done in our lives and, and in our hearts. And yes, maybe they are just horrible, right? Maybe they're awful, But that does not mean that you don't have plenty of things that you can work on within yourself too. And so I just completely agree with you. I think 
scripture calls us to self-examination. Scripture calls us to lay down our lives and pick up our cross. What does that mean? Sometimes that's a lot of sacrifice within a relationship and within a marriage to where we are saying, I'm willing to put myself out there to be this vulnerable person, to be mm-hmm. willing to kind of step out of my comfort zone of getting dressed up for intimacy with my spouse or even sending like a kind note or love letter when we don't feel like they've earned it. Those are the things in First Peter 3, to live in such a way that the gospel is proclaimed to your spouse without you even having to say a word. And so mm-hmm. I strongly agree with you. And I think that is awesome. So I want to jump in a little bit into codependency. This was a big part of my life in relationships beforehand. I wanted I would have never said this, but I wanted to fix every boyfriend that I had. And I always found the broken ones. And Mm -hmm. I found the ones that needed a lot of help. And there was this weird thing in me that felt this need to like be there all and everything. Because if I did that, they wouldn't want to get rid of me. And that's been something challenging to navigate through in a marriage where my husband's constantly saying like, I'm not going anywhere. But I've lived so long trying to or into a relationship that would then give me this constant security that really can only be found in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about what codependency is and how it distorts our view of the relationship and also our view, view of God? Basically, my definition and what I believe codependency is, is that like need to get your needs met from someone else and not the ability to have that come through Christ for a Christian or through yourself. So really what that looks like is that if your partner is unhappy, you're unhappy. There's no boundaries around your sense of self, your sense of worth or identity and emotion. So these are some ways that you can kind of sense that you're reliant and dependent on your spouse for all of those things, validation, identity, your, to be okay, to feel okay. Maybe you can't make decisions for your own life without consulting your partner on everything or identifying your own feelings. Maybe it's communicating any differences or beliefs that might be different than what your spouse wants. And so this all comes from part of our need to like find that worth, like you mentioned. And when we find that apart from Christ, this really kind of becomes an idol and becomes a problem in our lives. And codependency is one of the ways that that kind of plays out in relationships. So what are some of the root causes of that? I know that there's likely some rejection or damaged parental relationships or trauma, but is it based upon personality type or do you find that it's a common theme amongst a certain type of person? So I think that there's a few things that are kind of potential factors that play into codependent behavior. This could come a lot from upbringing, attachment, primarily, uh, like we were talking a little bit about before, someone who's more anxiously attached can tend to, to develop more codependent behavior. This could also come from certain cultural backgrounds and especially, you know, within the church, unfortunately, some of the things that we you know, create healthy community, unfortunately, can really easily seep into codependency. And then that could breed that sort of relationship, a lot of that kind of desire, especially for women to nurture and be there and be like the support can eventually lead to doing all the work for somebody in a relationship, the emotional or spiritual work that the person needs to do on their own. So these are all potential dynamics that could develop into codependency. But like I said, it's all about a dynamic. So there is a piece that both people play within a codependent relationship. There's not only one person's 
personality that creates that. There's that kind of dynamic that evolves within a relationship that can lead to that codependency. So I'm curious, working with eHarmony and being a matchmaker, what are some maybe red flags or I don't know, like I'm sure this is such a broad question, but what are some things that maybe are key when you are matchmaking? Like what are some of the most important things that they look for, for our listeners who aren't yet married? So one of the things that is often surprising that I'll tell people about that came from research of Neil Clark Warren, the founder of eHarmony, is that it's actually against what pop culture will tell us that opposites attract. Actually, what we found is that the more similar you are to a partner in really important ways, the more likely you are to have a long-lasting and healthy relationship. So eHarmony measures this through 29 dimensions of compatibility, but this includes some similarities in like background, education level, even financial level, um, you know, values, obviously faith values, and more specifically, you know, how you approach your faith, how is that integrated in your lifestyle? You might have the same faith as somebody, but it looks different. So there's a lot of these things that we think like, okay, opposites attract, or it's okay that we have these differences, but actually there's some important similarities that you want to have with a potential partner that you might have thought, oh, are not that important. So it's really about identifying what your core values are and looking for the right person from that place. A lie that you may believe far too often, especially as a woman, is that you have to choose between your family and your dreams. But the Proverbs 31 woman defies that stereotype. She was both a mother and a businesswoman. She worked hard for her family and used the giftings that God had given her to provide for her home. She had both ambition and faith, and she was honored. Friends, if you have a gift, use it to make God's name known. Share your story, share your passions, share your life. I have spent the past five years relentlessly studying and implementing all things marketing, blogging, entrepreneurship, small business, and podcasting, while also being a stay-at-home mama of two boys. Now with over 6 million blog readers, over 600,000 total podcast downloads, and tens of thousands of social media followers, I'm able to make an income for my family. I feel so passionate about this business and helping others to pursue those dreams. And I want to share everything I've learned with you, whether you're a mom of five or a college student. Do you want to be a travel blogger? Would you love to share your voice and launch a podcast? I can help you. I'm so excited to be offering one-on-one personalized business coaching for anyone with a dream to share their story, create a ministry, or build a platform. During our two and a half hour coaching session, I'll customize everything specifically for you by looking over your website and social media to give honest and helpful feedback that will help you grow. I'll teach you how to use Pinterest to make money even if you don't have any followers because if you're not using it yet, you're really missing out. And we'll talk all things Instagram, Facebook, branding, monetization, all in simple to understand terms. I will provide you with two free customizable media kits, a list of my 20 influencer websites that you can join right away to start collaborating with small and large brands, exclusive group board invites on Pinterest, and Facebook group invites to help get more eyes on your business right away. I always say she didn't do it better. She just did it. What is that one thing that you have always wanted to do, but you've never done? You will never succeed if you don't ever try, but you have a great chance at succeeding if you at least 
try. You don't ever want to live in regret. So if you are interested in this personalized coaching, just email livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in this coaching and hearing about how I can help you specifically, I'll talk to you soon. I have seen this not even in just in study, but also just playing out in real life with relationships around us and our relationship. And I've mentioned it before on social media, but how much having a teammate mentality I've seen really benefits relationship, just going off of what you're saying. And I think that it is so cool to have something that you're passionate about together. But I also think that it keeps you together. You know, when you're working out together, when you're like Jesse and I can be workaholics, which is not a good thing. But I find that when you have like these passion projects together and you can support one another and cheer one another on, and not that every spouse is supportive, but kind of knowing going into marriage, like, is this person someone who, you know, cheers me on in those things, I think is so important in whatever I am passionate about, as long as I'm honoring my family and honoring the Lord and stewarding money wisely, that it keeps you connected because even when Jesse and I are like busy and being parents of two boys and kind of working through life, we still have those things where we're like, Hey, how did this go? Or how did this go? And we're excited for each other. And sometimes truly like that connects us more than anything else. And it helps us. We do these check-ins with each other, finances, business life, like health, mental health, body health. Like, how are you doing? Do you need to get to the gym? Are you stressed out? How are you feeling about the kids? And being able to come together in that way, not that we have it all together at all, but that we do try to do that. I've noticed how much it really benefits our relationship. So yeah, that's such a great point. And I think that really when you're looking at, you know, the purpose of marriage and specifically if you're a believer, I think that the purpose of that is that you have like calling or purpose and it might not feel like, oh, this is my, you know, calling, but you're doing things that are glorifying God and serving other people and that you really want someone that can help you fulfill that mission that, you know, God's placed in your heart to do. And if you don't have that, it's kind of like, okay, what is this marriage like built on if they're not helping me and we're not collectively kind of serving this bigger purpose. And that could be as, you know, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It could be as beautiful as serving and ministering to your kids and your family and doing that together. But you do really need that teammate mate mentality. And that's a good, you know, if you're single, it's a good signal to see, okay, is this somebody that can come alongside me and what I feel really called and put on my heart to do? Or is this someone that's going to not believe in me or kind of discourage me or not be kind of that support and vice versa. So you really want to look at that as, okay, this person, I want to kind of come alongside me in my, whatever my path is. Love that. So going back to the codependency, how can we know if this is a struggle? Because obviously with you're within a marriage, you're kind of like, well, we're married, we're one. How do you know if this is something that is maybe taking hold of your life to where you're beginning or you have been idolizing your spouse in such a way that you're placing them in the position of God or you're trying to kind of fix them or rely upon them for your every need? How do you know when you're there and what are the most damaging effects of that on a relationship? 
So something that I like to say, and I didn't make this up, I don't know where this came from, but um, I heard it somewhere, but something I always like to remind, especially based couples and individuals that are kind of wondering, am I making my spouse or marriage an idol? Is that is your spouse kind of like the goal and the target, or are you and your spouse looking at God and your like purpose as the goal and target? Are you moving side by side in the direction towards Christ, or are you just looking at your spouse to either meet your needs or like, you know, their happiness is your goal or purpose? So these are things that you really want to keep in mind and think about as you're living your life. So one of the things that I think culturally, unfortunately, we've been conditioned to do is depend on our partner to meet every single need. So, and this is really different than historically than it's been, even in, you know, scriptural times that we really used to be more of a community as a you know, people, and especially in Westernized culture, it's like, okay, you meet your person and then they have to be your best friend, your business partner, your, you know, emotional partner. Like they just have to be your co-parent, like literally Mm -hmm. everything. And we no longer have that community to rely on to meet different needs. So I think this is really important to keep in mind is how can I go to Christ first for my needs? And who are some other people that can meet some of them? Maybe I have girlfriends that we would share, you know, we could do like a book club or whatever. I'd have to go to my husband for that. Or maybe I have like a business community that can help me steward some things as well. So obviously you're still your partner's, you know, cheerleader in person, but they don't feel that weight of being everything to you in every single way. And you no longer have that like dependency grow. I think that's one of the warning signs is that like, if you don't have that community or either through like your church or business or whatever, like other people that can kind of help to um, have a holistic view of you as a person that then you might be going down that rabbit hole of building codependency on that person rather than having a more like, kind of diversified view because God's given us so many different avenues to minister, to be ministered to. So maybe like getting a mentor through your church or, you know, a woman that's a little bit older that can kind of help advise you with things so that you're just not putting all this pressure on your marriage that then could make it kind of build some resentment because they're never going to meet everything that you want them to. They're not supposed to, (laughs) that's God supposed to be meeting all those needs. But I think sometimes when that happens, we can build that dependency on our partner that then is unmet. And then that breeds a lot of negative emotions that can then hurt the relationship. That is so good. I hope all of our listeners feel so much freedom hearing that today It took me a long time to learn that lesson. I have always, like I had mentioned, just relied upon those relationships. And coming in with Jesse, there was a lot of disappointment in my heart. And I feel like there is within the church this idea, once you get married, you're complete. And it is such a twisted view. And I talk about this a lot because even if you've been married 20 years, some women can still struggle with feeling like, man, he's just not what I thought he was going to be. But I talk often about counseling. I am such a huge proponent of counseling. And I will say I do my own personal counseling for the sake of unloading everything (laughs) onto her and helping her process thoughts through with me that I then can say, okay, I'm going to compartmentalize a little. And these ones, like these issues or struggles, I know this friend will walk me through this and it won't burden her. And then I know Jesse can handle this right now 
without me, which is what I used to do, walking into his office or into his space and just like, here's everything causing me anxiety. And as an anxious girl, (laughs) it's a long list. Mm -hmm. And so it's really helped. And I hope that brings you freedom to not only to know like it is okay to talk to other people about things. It is okay that your husband maybe can't offer this solution or the best word or the best even comfort to you. Maybe that is not his strength and that's okay. There is freedom in saying, okay, I brought this to you. You didn't really help me. I mean, you don't have to say that, but (laughs) knowing you didn't really help me. So I'm going to move on to this person. And this doesn't mean unloading everything onto everyone that you meet. It's saying, okay, Lord, first I come to you in prayer. First, I come to you to kind of just lift all of this burden. He says that his burden is light, even when ours isn't. And so are we releasing that to him and then coming and saying, okay, I still feel this heavy on my heart. So now I'll go to my husband. But I also hope it encourages you as listeners to pursue these types of relationships because I hear from many women, I don't have any friends, I don't have a village and I get it. It is hard to make friends as an adult, but I think so much of it is opening your home, being a safe space for people, doing the inviting even when it's uncomfortable and being involved in community groups, serving in the church and not just consuming, but like really putting yourself out there so that the weight of your marriage is not burdened by all of the factors of your life that one person is never was never intended to carry. So mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, Dr. Christine. And I think it's just really encouraging to hear that from someone who studies relationships in so much depth to know, gosh, like if they're not your all in all, that's actually an okay good thing because there have to be these healthy boundaries. Okay. So Galatians 5.1 tells us it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What are some ways that men and women can fight the slavery that is often caused by this relationship idolatry, that this is going to satisfy my every need and how can they find that freedom? Yeah, great question. And I love that verse. And I think that I totally agree with you based on what you said, that sometimes the church really doesn't help this trying to not idolize your relationship or being in a relationship. Often it's like, okay, when you're single, it's this waiting period until you're married. And then that's when you can really, you know, have purpose. But we know that that's not true because Jesus was single, Paul was single, so that there's so much that we can do in every season and so much that we can do before we're married, but also within our marriage. I think that what's really important, like you said, is to have that intentionality behind serving and connecting with the Lord. So this means you have your individual, you know, time with the Lord and you have time as a couple, but you really still want to have that space where you, you know, read the word that you listen to what God's telling you as well as a person. And then you also connect. So one of the ways I encourage couples to do this is that maybe your time together is talking about what you learned on your own. So you can have that kind of togetherness, but it's not like, oh, okay, well, we pray and read the Bible on our own. And then all of a sudden our marriage becomes kind of also connected with our individual spirituality. So I think that's a really good way to kind of have that boundary and make sure that we're staying really connected to the Lord's will for us individually and as a couple. The second thing that I really recommend doing is to 
consistently have those check-ins like you mentioned that you and your husband do. That's such a great idea and it will help. One thing that I recommend and me and my husband do this is kind of checking in at the beginning or the end of the day about like, you know, how can we help support each other? Um, if there are things that are coming up that we can just practice that servant's heart towards our partner, as well as towards, you know, the world and really using our marriage relationship as a picture of like, you know, how Christ loves us and serves us and gives himself up for us. So that's a really good way to kind of put our needs aside and say, okay, the purpose of this marriage, I really like the quote from I believe it's Gary Thomas in the book of sacred marriage. He says, marriage isn't to make us happy. It's supposed to make us holy. So mm-hmm. rather than saying, how can this person meet my happiness and my needs, which is fortunately what, you know, <laughs> the pop culture tells us the person should be doing, completing us. We put their needs before our own. And then we, through that practice, see how Christ meets all of our needs as well. And so that's a practice, you know, it when it's said in the Bible, it's, First, we have to serve, just have that servant's heart. And that's how we also approach our marriage. But that's a really strong boundary and strong security that keeps us away from the slavery of sin and keeps us in freedom. Oftentimes we think, how is that in freedom to serve other people? But when you're actually in the act of it, you notice how you develop all the fruits of the spirit that doing anything else won't really give you. (laughs) Fortunately, it's only this path of service that gives you that experience. When we take our eyes off of our self and our needs and look to help other people, that's where we get that love and peace and joy. And we see how we can be, be part of something so much bigger. So those are some things that I always recommend. And I think that's really important to have this constant awareness of kind of how we're doing and checking in, but being really open with the Lord, as well as with our partner about growing and being each other's partners in that growth too. So good. And I am in such agreement with you with the holiness over happiness. And that is something that I talk about with Wife Project because I feel like, oh my gosh, when happiness is our ultimate goal, we self-serve and it becomes all about the self-love, self-care, like we talked about. And it really steals our joy because you know, like when you receive a gift, it feels great and it's awesome to be thought of. But when you're giving a gift and you see true joy and it's a genuine, thoughtful, generous gift, there are a few things I think that are sweeter than that feeling because you know that you are doing a service. You know that you're blessing someone. And I really do challenge everyone listening to go through the love dare. If you haven't, it is a challenge. I'm like, get to day two. Okay. I need to start back on day one and start fresh, but I have gone through it. I think I made it like three quarters of the way and then I don't know what happened, but it did wonders for my relationship. And the main thing that I think it does, which is what you're touching on, is it humbles you. And it takes you to a place of saying, it is not all about me. And when we are codependent or when we're idolizing these relationships, we become the focus. Even though our spouse is up on the pedestal, we're still hoping that they satisfy our every need. And then we end up empty because only Jesus is that living water. Mm -hmm. So I'm just so thankful for you, Dr. Christy. Thank you for taking your time and sharing all of your wisdom. And I would just ask, what do you have going on in your life? Is there anything you want to share with our listeners and how can they find you? 
Yeah. So I currently am running a group program for singles that are really searching for their person. It's called Find the One. And we basically go into my methodology around meeting the right person. We process a lot of the things that come up around, you know, faith and waiting and really creating that joy and singleness, kind of like what you talked about. I think sometimes we kind of deprive ourselves of joy or enjoying whatever season we're in until we've met the right person, then we can be happy. And then that's what breeds some of that disappointment and self-pity if we're not really finding that happiness. So I really teach single women specifically about how to create that life that they're looking for and that they feel like God's calling them to while they're on that search to finding the right person. So that group program is a really intimate small container where you have that community. Sometimes it's hard to go through that single season alone, especially sometimes in these church communities, it's hard to find a place if you're single, if you're not quite a young adult, but you're not in a married group. So yeah, so I'm happy to connect with anybody and you can find more info on my Instagram, the date Dr. Christy. I also have a free guide there on dating apps and which one is the right fit for you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you were blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.